This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. An away day in London on a bank holiday Monday. A 2-0 victory at QPR to end the season in 14th place. 15 wins, 14 draws, 17 defeats. Goal difference of minus one. And Matt, you saw every single minute of every single game this season, the League and Cup. So first of all, massive congratulations on achieving that. And secondly, your thoughts on a grand day out yesterday. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, I did. Um, First time in my... What, 47 years of following City? Um, I've come close a few seasons, um, but actually done more away games um, in one season than home, funnily enough. But um, because of holidays and what have you, you tend to miss the odd game, but it was determined this season. So, yeah. And then in terms of yesterday, yeah, it was it was brilliant when it, we we had a bit of a jolly boys out in on the train in... Um, <laughs> I have to say I'm feeling it today somewhat. <laughs> um but I don't know if that was the taxi driving from Temple Means because that was a thrill, wasn't it? So Yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, but other than that, no, it was um great, good, good season, probably I would I would sort of reflect on. Um much better football at times this season than we'd seen. Mm. Um but you know, the the progress whilst it's there, you know, we're obviously expecting more for next season. But yeah, it's good good end to the season. Yeah, I no, agree. Uh, let's bring in our guest, and and that is BBC Radio Bristol's Ed Hadwin. Ed, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, gents. Thanks for the invite. Oh, absolutely. A pleasure to That's have you on. on. Uh, we always start the podcast with a talk club check-in. So how are you out of 10, Ed? Uh, at the moment, I would say, as it's the end of the season, I, I'm pushing a good old eight or nine now. I, I think it was, a, it was it was needed, frankly, the uh, that, that last match. But no, other than that, all good. Excellent. Matt, yourself? Um, yeah, I'm probably a good eight now. I was a, definitely a six first thing this morning, but yeah, I'm probably a good eight now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll join you. I think I was probably about a four first thing this morning really? when I, yeah. when obviously a few drinks were had yesterday. I didn't calculate into that that I was doing the school run this morning and had mm. to get up especially early and sort all of that out. So um, yeah, I didn't factor that in, but I, I've gradually gone up through the gears up to about an eight now. So yeah, looking forward Looking forward to a big game tonight, obviously. Um, Man City. Yeah, Man Madrid. City Real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should be good. Should be good. Um, but let's, Ed, first of all, um, a long, they're all, they're all long seasons, I guess. But like Matt, you've made, you've mainly seen lots of minutes of Bristol City action this season. Yeah, I mean, first things first, commiserations to it to Matt for watching uh, every <laughs> single minute of it because, you know, that is, uh, that is some hard yards. I think I've done it probably maybe twice two three seasons in my career i've seen every minute of the team that i was that was covering and it's you know it's fun and you have to do these things but it is hard work and there are definitely days that you wish you were anywhere else but there well it's a proper roller coaster um and lots of miles covered probably matt the the one you recovered the most miles was when you were it's a city home game and you were staying in preston wasn't it (laughs) no i had um it was working in um Liverpool and I tra- right. traveled I left the meeting in Liverpool in the afternoon sort of mid afternoon traveled back for the game watched the game and then traveled back to Liverpool the same night um because I had a full day workshop the next day so yeah that that was fun um I don't I genuinely don't mind the driving um and obviously I've I've yes, had, as well 
I've had company on a fair few trips, Mr. Warner, so that's that's always good. But um, yeah, I, I don't mind that. But like Ed said, there there are times when you sort of sat there. Um, I mean, Huddersfield this season, which was just an absolutely dire game, and you sat there thinking, "Oh bloody!" Hell. I mean, immediately I was staying over at a friend's, so it wasn't so bad. But it's days like that where you're travelling back home, and you're thinking, "God, why have I spent the money and travelled here?" And but it's your team, isn't it? It's, what it's you a do. commitment. Yeah, I've got to ask that match that you came back from Liverpool for. Which game was it? Can you remember? Um, I'm I'm trying to think. No, I will have a look. Um, I don't think was, it was a great game from well, memory. I was going to say because no, it was I a rubbish was. one, and that think, is that's grim. No, I actually think we won it in the in the last minute. Right. Um, okay. It was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what league game it was, but I'm sure we won it fairly late on. So as it was, it was a dire game, but because we won it, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But it makes yeah. it worthwhile, that doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Right to yesterday's starting lineup, and there are two changes. King and Cornick dropped out. Joe Williams and Sykes came in. So we lined up O'Leary, Tanner, Viner, Naismith, Pring, James, Williams, Scott, Sykes, Bell, Conway. On the bench was Richards, Callas, King, Mehmeti, Cornick, Viman, and Wells. So Ed, that starting lineup, two changes. We were talking on the podcast in the last game about whether we should make some more wholesale changes, but I just don't think Nigel Pearson's that sort of person. No, and I think probably rightly so in terms of if you're doing okay, and let's face it, the previous match against the other champions, I think the team did pretty well. Why would you mess around with it? And it, and it is important that that final game of the season, I don't care what anybody says, the way that you leave a season, that couple of thousand fans that were up on the top tier of the uh, the, the stand, don't tell me they didn't really enjoy that. And if yeah. you'd gone there, been limp, lost 1-0 or drawn 0-0 and there was nothing much going on, it would have just been flat. So, no, I, I completely agree with it. I think it's one of those, the, the Loftus Road pitch is so narrow compared to a lot of them because it's such a tight ground. I wondered whether it was actually the game for Sam Bell and he's popped up and got his goal and I'm mm-hmm. delighted for that. Other than that, I wouldn't really have, have looked at the, any of the selections and thought, no, I'd, I'd have done anything different. Matt, for you, any surprises? The only one we talked about, wasn't it, was was whether he, he rested, or not rested Max, but brought Harvey Wiles Richards in just to have a look at him in a league game. But I do, I do agree with Ed, and it, it was funny when we were in one of the pubs on the way back, we were chatting to some QPR fans, weren't we? And, um, you know, they, they were desperate really you know a new manager and they were already talking about they're going to struggle next season and the sort of football that they're playing so totally agree with that I think everybody that left from a city point of view yesterday was was pretty buoyant weren't they and looking forward to next season so it was it was Preston 2-1 win Oh, there you are. Back in October. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Definitely worth coming back for. Them. There you go. Yeah. yeah. A couple of goals. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Okay. Into the minutes then from yesterday. 15th minute. Scott sends Pring away and into the box. He squares to Sykes, who has his shot blocked. And Tommy stabs the ball into the side net in. So first 15 minutes, Ed, not a lot of, of notes in my uh, on my phone here. Um, but just before we, we start talking about that, I forgot to mention uh, a well-observed national anthem um on coronation weekend it was uh it was quite quite something that one but uh yeah your thoughts on on that passage of play yeah i mean it, it was it was such a cagey start and you know qpr coming from a situation where i think they picked up seven from the previous nine points and had got themselves safe in the championship so that they were on if not the crest of a wave then certainly about as confident as they've been under gareth ainsworth so they started in a lively fashion i mentioned how small the pitch is there was no space or time for anybody on the ball city got it down and passed it but it was all in the final third or occasionally up to the, towards the halfway line but nothing much beyond that and, and that was the first time actually it was alex scott who started it he 
he just got a little break, half a yard of space, and all of a sudden he was able to to get them moving down that left. And yeah, it, it was good defending. You have to say, I thought the two QPR defenders were were limited to centre backs, but they were in terms of blocking shots and things like that. They they did pretty well yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Nineteenth um, minute, after some poor distribution from Max O'Leary, QPR come on the attack, and Campering has to make not one but two very important blocks from Dykes and Adoma. Matt, excellent defending from the Joe Sims Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah, um, great award, Joe, as well. Well deserved for Cam. Um, yeah, I mean he, he's he's been outstanding, and we'll we'll go on to talk about him um, later in the podcast, I'm sure. But um, it was it was a really good block. Like I said to you at the time. I, I didn't know what it was with Max. It was just almost casual the way that he played it. And it just reminded me all the world of, of the way that David De Gea is playing at the moment for Man United. He seems to sort of spot the pass, but then not really commit to it or um and it and it put us into a world of trouble, didn't it? But yeah, Cam Campering sort of rose to the occasion and, and put the blocks in. Yeah. 28th minute, Ed Adoma's attempted overhead clearance leads to a crossing opportunity for Cam Pring, which he hits with some power across the face of goal. And Sykes finishes it off for 1-0 with Tommy Conway in behind him as well. So in one breath, we're talking about Cam Pring making two blocks. At the other breath, he's up the other end of the pitch, blasting the ball across, and, and we've just got to get a body in the way, and we're 1-0 up. Yeah, and, and he's done that on a number of occasions. I can think of a couple of goals at Ashton Gate where he doesn't just put crosses in. I mean, you can curl a nice cross in for a, a header, but you looked at it from, from City's point of view, you've got Conway and then Sykes on the opposite wing. If you hang that ball up, those two central defenders are going to win it all evening long. So he's absolutely fizzed it in from, you know, I have to say, Uncle Albert. I mean, they targeted him with Cam. They they looked to hit that diagonal all first half and he's been such a good player, but he was in, he could have done almost anything with the ball because we were a bit closer to it than, than you. And he's just, he's gone for the spectacular and he just completely missed it. Like genuinely just air shotted it probably couldn't believe his luck and I think the only person slightly frustrated in, in all of that would have been Tommy Conway because he must have been <laughs> yeah. what inches centimeters away from getting a touch before Mark Sykes but it just was too fast for him and, and Sykes did well to adjust his body and, uh, and volley it in so no really well taken from uh, from not very much yeah Matt the affiliation that we've still got with Uncle Albert Adoma um, and it was fantastic at the end where he well only came off as a substitute and at the end when they did their pitch parade but he is a agent Adoma in this particular instance yeah he was I mean he, he's a QPR fan so I don't think there was anything in terms yeah obviously <laughs> you know, I know we're joking we're not questioning at all from that but he is he is a really popular player I mean I'd probably go as far to say he's probably the most popular ex-player I've seen from a City point of view. Um, and I think a large part of that is because the way that he is with City fans. You know, mm. he always comes across. I've seen him give shirts to yes, fans. Yes, Aston Villa, that was. Yeah, it? yeah. He's such such a popular player. Um, but yeah, he, ma- he made a hash of it, didn't he? And, um, you know, I think Naki Wells... Cam you know, straight Ed, on it, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Ed was talking about Naki Wells had one previously where... And you said it, Patch. You just got to get something on it because as long as you're di- directing it towards the goal, it's going in because the power is already in the, the sort of cross, isn't it? So, yeah. but Sykes, he tucked it well, really well. It was a nice finish. Yeah, absolutely. 38th minute, it's Sykes again. He puts Conway through and his shot cuts across goal and wide, Matt. And watching that back, obviously, Tommy is in maybe two minds whether to go across the goal, whether to go near post. But um, yeah, opts to go across the goal on this one. 
yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure Tommy will be disappointed not to have hit the target from there because it, it was a great little move. Um, the way that he sort of took the ball in and and ran onto it, and yeah, I mean that Sunny Diang's a good goalkeeper for QPR. I quite like him, so he knows he's got to be accurate with it, but just just sent it wide, didn't he? Yeah, 43rd minute, Adoma links up with Martin, but Martin heads over. So, Ed, obviously, we've spoken about Albert, but Chris Martin is the spearhead in the QPR attack. Yeah, and, and I thought it was a, a kind of a typical Chris Martin performance. He held the ball up really well at times. There are a couple of really sloppy passes into touch, but it's, you know, age is something you can't get away from, is it? And at, at 34, you, you just see his brain is there and he, he knows exactly what he's trying to do sometimes, but he just physically can't get there in the way he would have done three or four years ago. So I, I thought of the front two, Lyndon Dykes was, was significantly more dangerous, just a little bit more, I don't know, a, a more vital, I guess, a, a little bit quicker, but yeah, yeah I, I thought Chris Martin worked his socks off, but yeah. he just couldn't, couldn't get a lot of change. And that was probably his, the one real chance that he had, he, he, he should have done better with. Matt, you could tell Chris Martin was up for it yesterday and he would have wanted to prove in a point after last season where he combined with Vyman and Semenyo to sort of have all of those goals and assists in the WSM. But yeah, it was, again, great to see. Always great to see a former player at the end when he walked off on the, on the pitch parade. Um, he got a good round of applause as well. Again, really good professional. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough through through um Dell who's been on the podcast that Dell had Chris go to one of his soccer schools said what a lovely guy he was um I think he's I, actually you know, training his son this I evening he, yeah I think he is isn't he yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um that's Dell training Chris's son yeah um <laughs> but it, it's it's one of those things I I think if I was Chris Martin and I understand that and what me money comes into it I think if he drops down a level I think he could actually do really well I mean I, I look at Derby well I look at David McGoldrick for Derby um, and and someone put in our um, chat, didn't they, about, oh, well, do we consider signing him? I watched him at Ipswich three years ago, whenever it was, and he was, he had the touch, but just was nowhere near the level needed for pace, exactly like Ed's saying there in terms of the speed and that. He's got the thought and the the touch in that, but you know, the championship's just such a, a quick game. So mm-hmm. I think for Chris, you know, a, a, a drop to say Derby would be a great move for him. Um, and he's a sort of player, you need to play it into his feet. Let him do his is sort of control there and lay it off. He's not a target man. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. He's not a target man for me. He's not going to be able to win the headers consistently against big centre half. So, but yeah, he got, he got a good reception. And I thought it was, it was an okay, okay game from him. Lots of Rangers fans that we would sort of walking past and talking to on the way out. Couldn't believe that he started over Jamal Lowe. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think his contract was only until the end of the season. So I'd be surprised if they keep him on. This is a message from the Bristol City Former Players Association. Throughout last season, we brought a number of ex-players back to Ashton Gate. We were pivotal in delivering celebratory events, including the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary, and we also celebrated the stars of the 60s who were paraded on the pitch. This season, we will be commemorating some important moments in the club's history and some very important people who were part of our club. If you would like to assist with sponsorship of any of these events, please get in touch with me via email to events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. In addition, we are always on the lookout for any interesting artefacts from the club's history to add to our ever-growing Bristol City archive. 
Thanks for listening and my email address again is events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. Thank you. Okay, the halftime summary from Rob. A pretty impressive half all round. Naismith and Williams being in the side has added some much needed intent to our passing forward. And for spells, we've looked a lot more comfortable in possession than we have for a while. Pring has been exceptional and added his quality and purpose, played a major hand in our goal, having nearly created another a little earlier. Tommy will probably think he should have taken one of his chances, but his all round play has been good. So hopefully he can get on the score sheet in the second half. QP QPR have provided occasional threats of their own, but mostly sparked by slackness in the initial challenge by us or slow reactions. Nonetheless, if we ensure to stay on the front foot and be positive, the three points are there for us to take. So 55th minute, it's a short corner routine. Naismith plays it short to Alex Scott. On to Tanner, he crosses. Viner's head falls to Sykes. Then Williams, some 25 yards out, gets an assist with a right foot inswinger. As Sam Bell put it across the keeper and into the net. And Ed, that was still quite a bit to do for Sam Bell to get that angle on that, guiding it into the corner. Yeah, I'm not sure how much that was entirely where he was intending to put it from having a quick chat with him uh, post-match. But it, it, what was good to see from that whole training ground move was how many times have we seen City take short corners, whether it's quickly to try and catch teams out and ended up with a player on the wrong foot on the edge of the area, trying to put a cross in on the weaker side or not able to put the, the power or the, the accuracy on it and just wasting it. They worked it, as you say, to Tanner. He put a decent ball in, didn't quite work, but they recycled it. And it was a lovely ball in from Joe Williams, just the right weight on it. Defenders stood completely still. You can see Bell was one of two or three players making that run. He got on the end of it. And just every time you see Sam Bell in person, he looks so happy to be a a championship football. (laughs) He's just absolutely living the dream. And yesterday wasn't his game because I think the the pitch, as I mentioned, it's, it's too narrow. It doesn't give him the spaces to really exploit, but... I, I genuinely think he's probably the fittest player at the club. If he can get a, a full season in next season, I, I think he's a, a double-figure scorer. And because if you can add those kind of goals to the, the ones that he will score running at defenders, I, I think you've got a real player on your hands there. Matt, six goals this season for Sam Bell uh, after breaking through at the turn of the year, really. It's been it's been a good season for him. He's an emerging season. And that that position, left of the three, just seems to relish it. I, t- do you know, I was just going to say exactly what Ed said. He's like a, a lad opening a Christmas present when he scores, isn't he? He's so, <laughs> he's so happy. It's a cracking picture of him celebrating that goal yeah, you know, his I, face. It's almost disbelief still for him, isn't it? Um, and I know that um, Ellie, um, one of our contributors, her champagne moment was Sam away at Swansea, that goal. I mean, we talked about it, didn't we? It was fabulous. Um, and I agree with Ed. I think, I think he could go on next season and be a real sort of star player for us in the way that Tommy Conway has done this season. Um, you know, there's lot, lots of positives from him. I'd like to see him perhaps just get a little bit physically stronger, sort of upper body, which I think Tommy's done in his sort of time off. So, yeah, it'd be good to see. But, you know, we've said, haven't we, about Tins talking about Tommy Conway and Sam Bell being the future. Um, and you can absolutely see that with the way they're playing. Come in the present now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just touch on that corner routine as well Matt we've we've bemoaned the set piece taken pretty much all season in the main um yep. uh, so those short corner routines seem to be more fruitful yeah it's, it's I don't have a problem varying it 
Um, yeah, the one the one for me is we don't seem to to swing it under the bar enough. At every corner against us, it seems our keepers having a struggle to get a punch on it. Whereas you know other keepers can come and clap, catch it, and you know the, the centre halves yesterday, Dickie can head him away all day long. So it, it was a good move. And actually, I thought Joe Williams had a really really good game yesterday. Um, so I'm glad to see that he got that assist as well. Okay, 60th minute is Albert and Martin both off uh, for QPR. And then a couple of minutes later, 62nd minute, Bell, Conway and Williams all come off. Mehmeti, Vyman and Callas, Matt, coming on. So a triple substitution. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, probably fairly obvious. Certainly I wanted to see Callas get on. Um, just because you just want to see where he is from a fitness point of view. I don't know what will happen next season. I'll, I'll be interested to get Ed's thoughts on Callas, but you know, there's no doubt for me he is still right up there as a, a, one of our top defenders. Arguably, he is the best defender we've got, although Zach Viner probably this season, but that's something to say in that. Um, so it's good to see him come on. I'm always disappointed to see sort of Tommy go off because you just know there's a goal in him. But again, it was important to get the the, the, the game time into the other players. Andy Vyman had been really good the week before, so I expected him to come on. And Mametti as well, we wanted to see. So um, I thought Mametti might put in a performance because he was in front of Ainsworth and kind of show what he's about, although Ainsworth knows that. But yeah, I think the subs were fairly a fairly obvious one. Yeah. Any insight on Callas? Any thoughts, your your feelings on on whether we may see him next season? Well, realistically, he's, you know, the, the money that he's on, he's going to have to do what Naki Wells did and take basically, you know, whatever percent, but 50% somewhere around their pay cut in terms of, uh, of sticking around. The only way he does that is if he's completely settled in Bristol and loving that and doesn't fancy a new challenge elsewhere because there, there will be other clubs both in this country and I think across Europe yeah. that would look at a Czech international centre-back who, you know, until this last year or so has, has got a pretty good track record of, of being available pretty much all season. Um, I think they'll they'll look at that and uh, and think, yeah, I, I fancy a bit of that. So uh, hand on heart, I think he'll probably go. I think he's, you know, Jada Silva definitely gone. He's, there is a chance of him staying, but I think it's pretty slim. Okay. Um, there was actually, that was actually a quadruple substitution at, at Wells um, for Naismith as well. Yes, um, yeah. So yeah, just because I thought suddenly, well, Wells definitely came on. He wasn't written down, but yeah. yeah, there was a bit of a melee there. So yeah, four, four substitutions. Um, 65th minute is a shot from Alex Scott on the edge of the box, but it all came for some magic footwork from Mehmeti. A sub, the nutmeg that set him away, Ed, was quite something. Yeah, no, well, we were literally right above that. It was Luke Amos, the uh, the central midfielder, who he nutmegged. And the second it happened, he looked to the heavens in that look that the balls have got <laughs> and was just like, oh, you... <laughs> Expletive deleted. Um, and then Mometi, it, it, it's a, a bit of a typical Mometi performance in that that was pretty much the first thing he'd done. He, he nutmegged his man beautifully. And then the reverse ball to, to play it into the middle to space, again, took two players out of the other game and got City right on the front foot. After that, he didn't really do much of anything. Yeah. He, he was trying. He was looking to get on the ball all the time, but nothing he was trying was, was coming off. But that was the one moment that you looked at and you thought, this kid has definitely got something. Matt, is it fair to say that he needs a good preseason? <laughs> no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not falling into that trap again with Gary Harris. Um, but he, I mean, he's, he's. I was thinking about Mimetti the other day because he's just another one of those players that that Bristol City just don't seem to get the best out of, and I just hope he doesn't go the way of a Trundle, a Tomlin, um, an Elias, and you know, players that have got that little bit of, you know, extra magic. Um, 
I hope not, because Nigel Pearson certainly speaks very highly of him in, and absolutely talks about him featuring. So I, I hope that's not the case, because, yeah, he's, he's certainly someone who gets you off your seat in me. Yeah. 70th minute, good build-up play. It's almost Olay territory. Um, and it ends with Vyman feeding Sykes and him cutting back to James, who tries to find Naki Wells at the back post, but it's just wide ed. So Naki Wells desperate to get that goal to send him back level with Tommy Conway. Yeah, he was, don't get me wrong, those two are very good friends and, and spend a lot of time playing table tennis against each other, but it is fiercely competitive. What else would have loved nothing more than to have, uh, have got a goal there in front of the uh, the away mm. fans and, and levelled it up. Um, it, it was just, it was such a lovely ball from Matty yeah. James, you know, sort of blinding you whether there were two players, I think Vyman was the other one who was had a hope of getting on the end of it. It's never a shot, but it's probably only gone a, a foot wide of target. Uh, just another example of the, the little things you do that, that, that are not showy, but just really, you know, what, what was that? Six, 12 inches away from uh, from Wells getting on the end of it and stabbing it into an open goal. So, mm. no, it, it was close. That was probably the best bit of play they actually produced, I thought, in the uh, the second half. Yeah. 84th minute, Matt. Matty, Matty James coming off, Andy King coming on. The game's, you know, pretty much dead and buried at this point. But uh, yeah, we finished the game strong. There was several Olay moments that QPR didn't really have a lot to offer. And a 2-0 away game is always good. It was really comfortable in the end, I thought. I, I didn't feel, I, I can't even recall much of a save that Max O'Leary had to make. Um you know, Dyke. I do quite like Lyndon Dykes, um, but but yeah, they they they've got some big changes. I think QPR next season, so that they're not going to struggle. Um, but yeah, it, it was comfortable. I thought we had lots of decent performances, um, and yeah, and any victory away from home is always good. But it's always I quite like the wins at, at QPR. We've got a, a fairly decent record over the last few years, haven't we? Yeah. Ed, um, I was at the gala night last Thursday and spoke to a couple of the players and they said that genuinely the culture, the team, the team feel, the build, the build up, everything is just all feels like it's going in the right direction. And that togetherness that uh, that, that you get a lot out of. And that was no, no more to be said about that than at the end of the game with the celebrations with the fans, the backroom staff came over even yeah i think tins was on the pitch and there was that real real um yeah togetherness Uh, you've spoken to players throughout the season do you share that view yeah, absolutely. It's got a little bit of the uh, the feel of of the the Cottrell team from the, uh, the the promotion era, where you know whether it was Flint and Pack who were big mates, and you know lots of young players sort of breaking through, but with experienced heads around them. And and this has the same sort of feel. And you sort of look back and at the time two years ago in the uh, the summer when he bought in Andy King and uh, and Matty James in particular, you're sort of looking at it and thinking, Matty James, yeah, he'd had that good loan spell at uh, Coventry, looked still a a really good player. Um, King had not played as much. He had that sort of move over to Belgium where he hadn't played much football. And you looked at it and you just thought, I'm not sure. And and on the pitch, I think he's had some good games for, for City, but I just feel both of them were so key to Nigel Pearson getting that dressing room right that that don't get me wrong they're, they're both really good footballers and they've, they've played their part but that was almost as important to Pearson because he knew the standards they would set the way they'd behave the way they would lead these youngsters and there's, there's no way that Pearson expected to have had as many youngsters in the team as he has had this year there's been an, a big element of not luck about that but necessity with injuries and all the rest of it and the, the kids have taken their chances unbelievably but that dressing room now is ready to to make that next step. I think so. Yeah, it's it's as good as it's been for a good few years. 
Yeah, Matt, that that balance is something that's got. It's critical that that is maintained with whoever comes in, the four players, three players, what whatever. They have to come in and fit in with that situation that they've got at the moment, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it will it will be an interesting dynamic if Alex Scott does go. Is is I think the majority of ex, expect him to. Obviously, his friendship with Tommy Conway that that will then be a different dynamic. Um, and it's about bringing in the right sort of players with the right attitude. You know, they they've talked about getting up and coming players. The Joe Bryan link is an interesting one. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of um, substance to that. And and Joe being a local lad, um, I think, you know, by everything I've ever seen of Joe Bryan, has got the right kind of attitude that you'd want. So he's adding that little bit of experience if he does come in. Um, and then it will be interesting to see what else they do from, from that perspective. But you've always, any successful team, and, you know, I think back to the, the famous Man United team that you don't win anything with kids, they add a lot of experienced players in there as well. So you've got to have both, haven't you? Yeah. Joe Bryan, Ed, it's uh, certainly gained momentum, the rumour, over the last couple of weeks. Do you see him coming, A, B, providing competition for Pring, Bell, maybe even in the centre midfield slot? How do you see that unfolding? It's, it's a really difficult one. So so Joe Bryan, when he was at City, was an absolute pleasure to deal with. You know, just lovely lad, um, really fitted him well. You know, not, not a bad word to say about him. And, and on the field, everybody saw what he's capable of doing. I, I don't understand if, you, if you've got limited amounts of money, why you'd be looking at somebody who's best position and it is his best position is left back when you've got Cam Pring who's had such an incredible season there so I'm all for competition in certain parts of the pitch but you don't need two outstanding left backs so if he's not going to play there is he going to play in central midfield he did that a few times during his time at City I'm not sure I think he's okay there I'm not sure how much he's done it recently I'm not sure how much he'd want to do that and then could you play him in Sam Bell's position in, in that wide left attacking position you could, but I've always felt he's better coming onto the ball and it is a completely different way of playing, having everything in front of you and just seeing things and, and pinging your ears back and going for it than having to work out angles and think, OK, well, if I'm here, then this person has to be there. So I think in some ways it would be a lovely thing to happen, but in a lot of other ways, I, I just genuinely don't see how it fits. OK, yeah, well, time will certainly tell. And, and I think, yeah, competition early in the season bred great performances so i'm all for having excellence in uh, doubled up in every position so it'll be an interesting one to see how that one pans out but on top of that we've heard some other names um mentioned ed in terms of incomings um for you that aside where would you be strengthening uh this bristol 60 team well for me there's two places that you've got to get well, you can argue three. So you need another goalkeeper because realistically, I think as much faith as they've got in the youngsters, you don't want a 19, 20 year old backing up Max O'Leary. You need somebody with a little bit more experience who, if he's not going to come and take his shirt, and I think Max has done a really good job this year, at least keeps him on his toes. So I think that's one that they have to look at. But the, the absolute key positions are centre back and centre midfield. They They absolutely have to go and recruit there because... If Callas leaves, you've got Atkinson out until some part of the autumn, maybe even into the other winter. We're not quite sure there. So you've got Zach Vinus had an amazing season. You've got Cal Naismith. And then what, we're into bringing Campering or George Tanner in from, from fullback to centre-back. So 
if if Callas goes, I think you're looking at two because Joe Lowe hasn't had a great time on loan at, at Wall, so I don't see him coming in and um, playing. I'm not sure anybody else is ready out of the academy at the moment. And centre mid, on the face of it, Andy King's going to play less football. I think Matty James is perfectly capable of, of, of having another season where he's playing 30, 40 games. Hopefully you get the same um, out of Williams, but you'd have to be a little bit nervous of that given his, uh, his injury history. If Alex Scott goes, obviously there's another whole um, Taylor Clark's come in and done really well. And I think he's a player that you'd, you'd I'd be perfectly happy with him with a sort of, you know, maybe fifth, sixth choice if you're going to have three central midfielders, depending upon what position, because you've got to have some drive in there. When Williams has been out injured, there has been a real lack of, of energy at times yeah. in that midfield. And that, if you're looking at the one position, if, if I want to go and spend the money that you'd spend on Joe Bryan, for me, you go out and you spend that money on the best central midfielder you can go out and buy. Yeah, I agree. Good it's interesting as well, the, the, Joe Bryan, the Joe Bryan one, because of how strong they were trying to get Curry from Wimbledon, Yeah, what, what would that mean to that deal? You would assume, because I can't imagine he'd want to come and not be challenging Cam Pring for a starting place. So, yeah, it's another thing to factor in with Joe Bryan, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Nigel Pearson is absolutely adamant. He, he wouldn't sort of bite on the how many um, uh, how many signings because it does, and I understand it. It depends exactly who you're bringing in and how much money that player takes up and all those kind of things. But he does not want a big squad. He will not no. go out and sign a bunch of players that are going to sit and not even get in the match day squad. So it's that that always the balance between having enough so that you, when you get three or four injuries, you're not particularly weakened, but that you don't have a Chelsea situation where you've got 150 players and you can't even have a, a proper practice game on the other training ground. So <laughs> it, it will only be a small handful of players coming in, which is why getting it right is so important. And, and I genuinely believe this is the, the most important summer for the club in five years plus, yeah. because if you get it right, you'll be up there. And if you don't, it'll be another false storm. And one of the things with having a small squad is having that loan market to 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 supplement the permanent staff, if you like, but that doesn't seem to be something that interests him either. I think. Well, he said a number of times to us over the last, yes, yeah, certainly twelve months, that he didn't want to bring in loan players to the dressing room as it was last summer because he didn't feel that dressing room was in the right place to deal with a youngster. I think, and he said this himself over the last, yes, yeah, in the last 12 months, that dressing room culture is now right. So whether that will change his mind, okay. I don't know. But but I look at the impact that players have had. You know, you look back to, they don't need a striker, but a Tammy Abraham back at, yeah. at Ashton Gate. But you look at James McAtee or someone like that, you know, Sheffield United were pretty rubbish at Bramall Lane until they brought him on. And yeah. he completely changed that game for them. He Without him, they don't win that game. Yeah. And there are players that are that good at some of those elite level Premier League teams that you kind of know are going to come in and make an impact. It would be, I would love personally to see one of those players in one of those positions come in. You don't have to, you know, find another Alex Scott or anything like that, but just somebody who's going to get at least 25, 30 games and in a handful of those plus is going to make the kind of difference that you need players to, to do. And and I'd, I'd like to believe Pearson will, will do that. He's been very coy about it. So whether he does, we'll find out. We shall see. Right, Matt, for the last time this season, your ratings, please. Yes. Um, so I've gone Max with a six. Like I said, I didn't didn't think he had too much to do. Didn't really do anything wrong. That You know, we talked about that one element in there. There was a real um, 
sort of battle with him in Naismith, wasn't there at one point as well, where yeah, they were having, up having, having a proper sort of go at each other. And then 10 minutes later, they put arms around each other and it was all sorted. But yeah. After the goal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, George Tanner, I thought, um, had an okay game. I went six with George as well. I thought, you know, he, he's consistent. Um, I still want to see him get forward more than he than he does currently because um, we know that he's got that ability. Um, and then on the left-hand side, Cam Pring, I went eight. I thought Cam was outstanding um, and was was my man of the match. I thought he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went eight for Cam. And in the middle, Zach, I went eight. I thought Zach had a really good game as well. Um, just grown into it. I love the the Zach Viner chant, and that's not why I'm giving him an eight, but that adds to it. Um, and there's this new one that's developed as well. Every time he sort of got anywhere near the ball, they were chanting Viner in a real Bristolian, wouldn't they? So, um, but I thought Zach had a, a good game as well. Um, Carl Naismith, I thought was decent. Um, I went six for for Carl. Probably didn't see his his range of passing yesterday that we have seen. Um, and I do think with Carl that. Joking aside, when we talk about the preseason, but because of his injury, having a full preseason to see him in the ground running next season, you know, we were so impressed with him at the start of the year, weren't we, with the, mm. the way that he was commanding things? So, yeah. And you want um, to see him more in midfield? Um, yeah. Again, depend depending on the signings that we get. Um, you know, for for me, it is is absolutely about that energetic, box to box, powerful midfielder. If we can get, you know, a bit like Joe Williams, but but perhaps a bit younger and a bit physically stronger. Mm. Um, that's that's the one for me as well. And and yeah, if I if I'm spending any money, that's where I'm spending it. Um, so Joe, Joe Williams and Matty James, I thought both had a really good game. I thought they they dovetailed well together yesterday. I went two sevens for them. Um, I thought Joe Joe showed what he's about yesterday. And there was one moment where he went down, and you thought, oh God, don't say he's gone gone injured again. And I think we're always going to fill that with Joe Williams. If I'm right, I think he's got a year left on his contract. Um, so that will be interesting. I mean, there was talk yesterday, weren't there, with, with a number of people we were chatting to, fans, saying that they they wouldn't be surprised if Joe went in the summer. Um, and that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, and then Alex Scott. I want Alex Scott to have had a nine yesterday. Um, but it just wasn't, was it? it? It was a six for Alex. He showed the moments. There was one moment where the ball was sort of fizzed into him and, and he was mid-air and just opened his foot and just sent a lovely pass out wide to the wing. It, I'm not sure anyone else in the team can do that. Um, it was brilliant, but it was still a relatively quiet game for him. So I went six for Alex. Um, and then up top, I went seven for Tommy Conway. I thought Tommy put a real shift in again. Um, and Sam Bell, for all, all the reasons that, that Ed said, it wasn't his pitch yesterday. I went six, but almost feel with the goal, should that have been seven? So I went six, but I'll, I'll let you have the vote on that. I think I'd go seven, personally. I think, uh, yeah, desire always shines through with Sam Bell, and I think it was quite a hard hard finish, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but interestingly, that does mean that for the last three games, Campring's been our man of the match, so it kind of shows, <laughs> no surprise, kind of shows where he's been, doesn't it, really? But yeah. Um. So we end with... A average for the game of excuse me six point nine one, which you know two nil away is is kind of above what you'd expect. So yeah, close to a seven. And for Nigel, went a seven as well. You know, there's lots of lots of good things. I did laugh when they were chanting Nigel, you know, Pearson, Pearson, banks arranged, um, which he's he's never going to do. <laughs> he wasn't but, returning, was he? No, he wasn't. But he kind of made out that he couldn't quite hear what was being said. So <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Brilliant. How was Nigel after the game aired yesterday? Yeah, very, you know, he's been this way most of the season. There have been a few exceptions, but he's been remarkably relaxed, particularly the last month. Um, you know, I think he, he knows the work that they've done. He, he's still frustrated at, at some of the things that he feels they couldn't and perhaps should have done better this season. Um, but he knows that the progress has been made. And I think he has said this himself without being sort of prompted by questions. He knows how big this summer is in terms of being the other, the right players in, um, you know, he, when I asked him how soon, you know, the next couple of weeks is realistic to have a a, a body in, and, and he said yes. So I think you know the, the ones that were linked with in January or stuff that's been happening behind the scenes kept well away from the other newspapers. Hopefully, we'll get some positive news in the, in the next couple of weeks, and, and that will really hopefully set everybody up for for what we all hope is going to be a a, a campaign chasing the uh, the top six rather than bobbling around in mid table. Yeah, it's. I think it's too early to say what our expectations are. Obviously, once we know the ins and outs, we can we can do that. But in terms of progress, Matt, it's got to be looking at top ten, hasn't it? Has to be top ten, but also top ten where you're pushing playoffs. Um, you know, I'm 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 absolutely of that opinion that we've got, especially when you've seen Millwall this season. Um, you know, obviously Sunderland have, have done really well and, and have got there, but Coventry are in the playoffs. You know, we, we've got to be looking at that. Um, and again, agree with Ed, you know, the right signings can definitely put us there because there aren't many teams this season, but Burnley away, I did feel that we, were, we weren't anywhere near them. Um, but other than that, there weren't many games where I thought, do you know what? Yeah, we're, we're not even close to this. Mm. Um, and we did, we did chuck away a lot of points, didn't we? So... You know, we, we are where we are. I don't think the table does ever lie. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about those signings for me. Final word for you, Ed, before I know you, because you've got, uh, got to go. Alex Scott, is there any chance he stays at Bristol City next season for you? There is a chance. I, I'm not expecting it. I mean, you, you saw yesterday Andy King sort of pushing him because he, that's who he is as a, a, a person. Alex Scott is as good a footballer as he is. For a 19-year-old, he, he's one of the most impressive young men I've, I've met, forget football or anything like that. He, he's just genuinely a lovely person who has got his head screwed on and all the rest of it. So, yes, could you see a, a top four club signing him and looking to loan him back? Yeah, that's possible. Could it be a situation where the clubs that he maybe thinks that he would like to go to don't quite get interested this summer and he decides, you know what, I'll have another year because he really does enjoy the setup at uh, City. He likes playing under Pearson. He likes his teammates. He knows he's developed and he looks at that now England under 20 group and he sees that he's pretty much the only one who's playing regularly for the team that he's employed by. Daniel Jefferson plays a bit for, for Sheffield United, but other than that, they're all having to go out to, to other championship clubs to get football. So it's not impossible, but I just... I can't believe that all the directors of football out there in the, uh, the the Premier League are looking at him and not thinking, why are we not trying to sign this kid? So, yeah, maybe it's wishful thinking, but it, it would be lovely to have him back for uh, for any amount of time next season. So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> yeah. well, there is always a chance, isn't there? That's You've got to believe that, otherwise what's the point? What, what other departures do you think there'll be? Ed, I mean, you, you, you're sort of pretty adamant and, and it looked very much like Jay De Silva yesterday, even though yeah. Nigel Pearson talked about there being an offer on the table, but that, that looked very much like a goodbye from Jay, didn't it? Yeah, and, and realistically, he doesn't fit with the way the team plays. Campering, yeah. if you're going to play 
you know, Jada Silva suits a team who was linked with Coventry. He, he'd be perfect for Coventry, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the way they play compared to the way that City play. City will dominate possession of the ball on occasions, but they they like being a counter-attacking team. They like having teams come onto them and using and exploiting that space. Campering is better at doing that than, than yeah. Jada Silva just because of his physicality. So I just, I don't see him sticking around. Um, I've, I've said about Callas already. I think there is 20% chance he stays, but 80% he goes. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think, There'll be a few of the youngsters um, that, you know, someone like Josh Hours hasn't really been given a chance. I'd, I'd be amazed if he's sticking around. Yeah. There'll be a few departures like that. I, I don't really expect a lot else. You mentioned Joe Williams. I don't see who else is going to take him off City's hands for the kind of money that they'd be wanting. I think they're perfectly happy with him and mm-hmm. they want him to stay fit. So is another championship club going to come in and say, we'll give you, you know, three million, four million quid for him, at which point, I'm sure City would look around and say, well, yeah, maybe I will do that. So I, I don't really expect a lot of changes from that point of view, which is why the three or four, other than Alex Scott, if he goes and you get £25 million, they will not go out and spend £15 million on a player. No, no, That's no, not no. going to happen unless they can get a kid out of an academy who is seen as absolutely can't miss and is desperate to get out and get football but i don't i just don't see that happening so if they get money for alex scott it will go on those instead of three or four players from the the free you know transfer area or low budget they may look at more you know five million for one and three or two or one for for some of the others but it, it will be that measure and they will all be relatively young and athletic and able to improve i'm pretty confident of that Kane Wilson, do you see him staying? That that is the one because he his season at Forest Green. I saw a bit of Forest Green in League Two, and and they were completely um, three five two. He was a wing back. Mm. His strengths are going forward, not defensively. Yeah. It's not that he can't defend. If George Tanner is a defender first, who is bolting on the attacking side of his game, which we can see, yeah. then Kane Wilson is basically a, a, a winger who's been pressed into to a little bit of defensive work. If they're not going to play that system, and I don't think they will next year, I'm not sure that it suits him. So I, I suppose technically you could see him go, but it depends. You know, I think he likes it in this part of the country. I don't think there's a particular appetite to kick him out of the door. So it's more a case of, well, this is the situation we see. If you feel you've got better options somewhere else and, and a club will come in with the right offer, maybe they'll look at it. But I, I'm not sure they're going to be active in that uh, that area. Right. Right, Ed, just want to say massive thank you to you and the team at BBC Radio Bristol for the coverage this season. Always a always a pleasure to listen to the chat afterwards. And uh, yeah, a big thank you to you and the team. Well, thank you. It, it's as ever, they're, they're long old seasons and, and I could definitely do with a, a break now, but no, <laughs> it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I, I genuinely, I think like most City fans, I'm, I'm so excited about what could happen with this group. There is so much room for growth with so many of these players that the the right handful of signings and genuinely it could be a, a really exciting season to come. So fingers crossed that's exactly what we get. That's Thanks so much for your time, yeah. Ed. Take care. Thank you, Ed. All the best, Cheers. mate. Bye. Thanks a lot. Well, Matt, uh, another season is coming to a close. Uh, just have a look at our spreadsheet, if you can, yeah, yeah. and just give us a bit of a rundown of top ratings, top, yeah, top yeah. man of the matches, etc. So, and and I guess it shows the consistency, but in terms of man of the matches, um, Campering had eight man of the matches. Then you've got the likes of Andy Vyman, Tommy Conway, Rob Atkinson, Max O'Leary, Zach Viner, Matty James with three each. Um, And then in terms of the averages, 
Um, so based, um, I think you know you have to look at appearances because if we did it purely based on the rating, yeah, with, with some that have only played, you know, the, a the handful game, of games, yeah, then then you've got sort of differences. But you've got Zach with Zach played the most games, yeah, only um, missed actually, one. Actually played forty five games, yeah, incredible, incredible mm. season. Um, he got a, an average rating of six point four zero. Alex Scott, 41 games. He was the next sort of highest game. Um, so this is 41, 41 ratings, isn't it? Because you... Yes, you're right. Absolutely. You so, yeah, six, so 60 minutes or more. Yeah. And what, what we'll do next season is we'll, we'll include whether they were starters or subs when we do the ratings so we, we know what we've got. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Alex was 6.29. Andy Vyman, 6.03. But again, out, out in the lead... Um, and the, the highest average was Cam Pring with 6.76 after 29 um, appearances. So, yeah, Cam, I think he's not only Joe Sims Player of the Year, but he's the three peeps Player of the Year based on that. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. congratulations, we, Cam. We need, we need to get a little pint three, glass. three peeps mug for him or something. An, yeah. Another pint glass coming in the post, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, and, you know, I think in terms of where we finished, I mean, what was it? Um, 14th yep do we say yeah um you know we are, we averaged on the season uh 6.34 which if we were saying at the start of the year six is our average of what we expect from the players yeah we we were kind of talking around that that sort of mark when we 13th yeah. 14th yep so we we probably have finished where a lot of us expected and in terms of performance wise you know we're, we're slightly above the, the average of six, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I suppose the the end of the season and we saw some decent performances, not necessarily getting the results. It's the youngsters, isn't it? That give us the, the positivity mm. for next year. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll go on it again and say, I still think Campering can get better. Tommy Conway can get better. I, I do genuinely see Tommy Conway as a 20 goal plus next season. Um so it's you know you, you get the right sprinkling of magic in there as well with the, the players that we need if we can have a, a season where we don't have those injuries and let's bear in mind we talked about Rob we've got Eamon Benarus hopefully coming back yeah. in as well you know and, and Eamon I'm not saying he's the same as Alex Scott but he, he has those attributes as well um, so that will be an interesting one so yeah there's there's lots there is definitely lots of positivity for, for next season I'm going to give you a bit of a stat attack now go on Right, so appearances. Who made the most appearances this season for Bristol City? That's League Cup, you know, have being on the pitch for one minute counts as an appearance. Uh, I would assume it was Zach Viner. No, it was actually Naki Wells. 52. Was it? 52 wow. appearances for Naki Wells. Um, 51 for Zach Viner. So... <clears throat> So that was that. And then we go down to goals. Uh, obviously, Tommy Conway finishing... Top goal scorer with 12, then Naki Wells with 11, and then we're down to Antoine Semenyo on eight goals. Right. Uh, okay. Down to cards. Who got the most? Who got the most yellow cards? Um, Joe Williams. Alex Scott on 11. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Campering got 10. Zach Viner got 10. Uh, Joe Williams got 10 yeah. as well. Uh, Sykes obviously got the red as well. We got two, um, didn't he? And, and no, I think he just got one. He got the book in the, the, the five games got in the ban. No, I think he got two red cards. 
Did I he? might be wrong. I might be wrong. I thought he had two red cards. Okay. Um, George Tanner. Did George Tanner get a red card? Yeah, George went over the top on someone, didn't he? Yeah. Um, stretching for it. Uh, attendance. Yeah. yeah if you so sorry, Sykes didn't get a red card. You're right, but it was a re- retrospective ban. Ah, that's it. it. Sh- it yeah. Have been. It, so it was really a red card because it was a ban from the TV evidence, wasn't it? That's an interesting one. I guess the uh, the the history books will say one red card, and then yeah, well, yeah, it'll yeah. just be a ban, won't it? The other one. Yeah. yeah. Um, attendances highest home attendance of the season was Sunderland, twenty four thousand five hundred and forty three. Um, obviously, this is the league. Uh, lowest was Luton Town, 17,329. So average attendance, 20,528. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, really good. Um, and I think, what what have they said already? 13,000 season tickets sold? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think that's another good good reason for getting business done early, that, that will then encourage people to to take advantage and get a season ticket because, you know, when, when we're, we're fans first and foremost, so I think we're always going to look fairly positively. I'm not going to say we go over the top with it, but we are. Um, but when you hear, you hear Ed talking like he is mm. you know, and, and without, without betraying confidences or anything like that, but you speaking to some of the players last week and, and getting their take on where they think we could be, um, you know, some, sometimes it's lip service, but when you do hear players that you really sort of believe in saying, no, we, we genuinely feel we can go all the way, mm. then you've, you've got to think it. And, and as I say, Coventry have got to be a case in point. Luton have got to be a case in point. Um, I do think Kenilworth Road makes a massive difference for Luton, <laughs> but I'm not going to belittle the performances because they've been excellent. They've got some really, really good players and I wish them all the luck in, in, in the playoffs. Um, you know, but it's going to be so bloody tough next season, Patch, with, yeah. you know, congratulations to Plymouth and Ipswich coming up. Um, but potentially you've got a Sheffield Wednesday, a Bolton, a Derby, not a Derby, sorry, a, um, a Barnsley that could be joining them. And I've missed the fourth one. So apologies for whatever team that was. They aren't listening. Completely escapes my mind. Um, and then the team's coming down. You know, we, we, we know we're both for the wrong reasons or the right reasons for us, we want to go to Everton because I've not yeah. been to Goodison. But their <laughs> result last night, Southampton, I think, are gone. And it's kind of looking like Leicester and Leeds at the moment, but you yeah. don't know, do you? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Double wins over Preston and Rotherham this season. Yep. Um, and double losses uh, over Burnley and Sheffield United. Yeah. What did we do? Oh, we drew with Blackburn. I knew we won away and then we drew at home. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and interesting, isn't it? The Sheffield United one, two losses, and actually both games, we were the better side for, yeah. I mean, the, in the home game, for the majority of the game, and in the away leg, you know, away, away game, for a fair chunk of that. So it shows, it shows how close, how close we were. Close? What was the... What was the... birthday today, actually. Happy oh, birthday, Tim. Happy birthday, <laughs> Tim. Um, and even that day, Patrick, I mean, I was, I was looking, so how, how many players do you think we utilised this season in the league? Um, we used 30 players overall. I know that. I don't so, I haven't got the so breakdown. 20 26 in the league. Okay. Um well, and and so actually there may have been a couple more that were subs but didn't play the 30 minutes needed from our point of view. Yeah. Um, we used we used 30 players in total across the league and cup. Um yeah. And, and and the cup will have included for me Bajic, obviously. Bajic, yep. Joe Lowe. Yeah. Um, so I had 26. 
Tim Close. Did Tim Close do anything? Yes. In the yeah. Five five games in the league. Did he? Yeah. Two games um, in the cup. Kaji as well. Dylan Kaji was cut. Mar- Marley yeah. Francois Han- came on as a sub in the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, yeah, you're thinking Hanno Masenga as well. Yeah. You know, we didn't even talk about him, but you assume Han's gone. I mean, well, yeah, he's only on loan, isn't he? He's only on, he's only on loan, but he's obviously out of contract. But then the contracts end, I think, end of May, isn't it? So you End of June, won't... I think. Oh, is it? Right. Okay. Yeah. So you, you won't necessarily hear anything until then. But mm. yeah, um, record loss. What do you mean in terms this of season in the league? Oh God, blimey! Not sure. Uh, we didn't actually get hammered at all, did we? No. So we lost seventeen games. Um, conceded three away. At, sorry, three at home to Sunderland. Birmingham three, away three was three 0 Birmingham was probably the worst one because it was three 0 All the others were two 0 like yeah. worst losses. Yeah. Which, which, and I, I know I keep mentioning the, the goal difference of minus one. Shame it wasn't zero, but that's been that's a massive improvement on pre on the last few seasons, isn't it? It's been much worse than that. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of wins, three um, one away at Rotherham, three two away at Blackburn, four two at home to Birmingham. Um, so we kind of got a little bit of payback in Birmingham because so we were struggling Again, to win by two goals, weren't we, yeah, for a while? Yeah, yeah. Um, but none of them. You know, when you think back to last season, the whole, what was it, 5-0, the last game of the season, or 6-0, mm. whatever it was. Yeah, um, last games of the season, they're often a little bit wild, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they can be, can't they? Um, so if you're, what, what was your sort of highlight of the season, Matt, if you had to had to pick one? Obviously, there's um, a few. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, the FA Cup. D- definitely um, that, that night in Swansea, um, the, the sort of performance... Seeing the youngsters and 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 seeing Sam Bell score like he did, um, yeah. a real t- a real turning point as well yeah. in the season. I think that one. Yeah, um, Blackburn away. Loved Blackburn away. Thought Alex Scott's performance that day was just exceptional. Um, so that was one that stands out. And actually, also for me was Norwich away because we played some absolutely fantastic football that night, um, and and came away with a defeat, but. You know, you you felt like we'd actually played really, really well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're. I think they're probably my my highs of the season. How about you? Um, yeah, I I think I share that, and I think uh, obviously Conway's goals against Cardiff City stands out um, for me. Obviously, getting that goal in the in the Severn side derby. And then the one where he points at you, Matt, in the crowd, obviously, was quite a highlight. Oh, obviously, that was that was a highlight for me. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> um, and he is, I mean, again, you know, very, very privileged with um, the the little I have with, when I'm with the former players. You know, you get to meet players, both past and present. But they, those young lads, like Ed said, you know, mm. Tommy, Alex, Sam, they're just great lads. They're just such really good professionals. And I think if you've got a dressing room with those sort of lads if you get the right mixture of experience, like they've obviously had with Matty James, Andy King, and I'll include Naki Wells in that, mm. um, then, yeah, thing, things are, are definitely going in the right direction. No one's getting carried away. And I know, no. you know even with, within, you know, contributors to the podcast and friends we've got that, that still don't see Nigel Pearson as being the right, the right man in charge. Um, 
I am very much, I think he is at the moment, but that that will change next season based on results. And if we don't hit the ground running, haven't made the right signings, um, and we aren't looking like a team that's going to be in and around those playoff positions, because that's that's what you need to be, Patch. You need to be like Luton, where you've been there for all season. Mm. Um, Coventry is a little bit of a, an unusual situation, wasn't it, because of their pitch sort of problems. Um, but you want to be in and around it. Millwall were in and around it most of the season. That's where you want to be, you know, great. All right, if you make a late surge, obviously that's fantastic. But mm. I'd like to see us being a team that is right up there for the start of the season. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, that's the the, the bonus show of post-match reactions done. But we'll be back very soon with the first of our top fives. So uh, I haven't decided yet. We're going to do it in order. We may as well go goalkeeper first and then yeah, full-back, well. centre-back, yeah. midfield, yeah. wingers, strikers, like, managers. Like, like match of the day, yeah. Champagne and then moments champagne moments. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to do our top fives. I've had 14 submissions from uh, from contributors. So uh, that's good enough to get a, a nice score. So we're going to go through those in the very near future. That's the last 40 years we capped it at as um, you know, it's one of those ones where not many of us would have seen much before that. But yeah, even though um, even though the likes of Mark Powell in uh, Dean Allen struggled with the forty year concept and what it meant <laughs> yeah. by not before nineteen eighty two, but yeah, yeah, and also um, well nineteen eighty three, in fact, nineteen eighty three, yeah. yeah. Also, obviously, stars of the seventies would dominate uh, of the, would. the the yeah. the top fives, but of course they would. yeah, maybe we'll do we'll do that, and then we'll do um, a forty years, you know, and look back beyond that, and we'll get Neil Palmer on to do some some uh, some highlights of, of yeah, that definitely for, for the former players association. But no, it's been a fantastic. Uh, ride this season some ups and downs but hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to myself Matt and whichever contributor comes on to talk about it and Matt it's actually quite weird talking to you now with only just the two of us on here isn't it, it yeah it is yeah it is although we <laughs> spend an awful lot of time talking we'll just say as well a big a shout out to um, Ollie Newport who we met in QPR yesterday and as we I think people recognize you because of your um, you're 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 a tall lad, so people you you, <laughs> st- you stand out from that point of view. But yeah, um, Ollie and, and I think it was his lad or a couple of mates um, walked past and, and obviously recognised us and thanked thanked us for the podcast. That's always great to hear. So it is. It thank is. you for that, mate. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we do absolutely do. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll be back in the near future with that top five um, podcast. But for now, Matt, thank you very much, and we'll speak soon. Take care, mate. All the best. Thanks, Cheers everybody. All. Bye. Drifting along, it's a one-way road Just like the tumbleweed Or a standing stone Far away from the city call I find myself on another bar stone
Turning into a whiskey fool 